Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, right here on 670 The Score and your free Odyssey app, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I'm David Haw, along with Bruce Levine again, talking baseball from 9 to 11, this time 11.30, building a London bridge to Cubs Cardinals across the Atlantic but also following the White Sox uh, on their local excursion to well nowhere. Good morning, Bruce. Welcome back. How are you? Good morning, David. Uh, thank you. And uh, I just uh, to just start the show, I just want to uh, thank uh, with a lot of gratitude uh, everybody who uh, <clears throat> sent their uh, condolences uh, to myself and my family on the loss of my daughter. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll for always be grateful and. Uh, Thank you, David, and thank everybody at the station and at Marquee for being there, uh, backing me, Cubs, White Sox, and all the great listeners. So um, I thank you very much. But it is a uh, it's a great day. Uh, Cubs in London against the Cardinals. The White Sox continue to play Boston and continue to struggle. David, where would you like to start today? Well, I think we need to set the table, let people know what's ahead, because we are doing extra innings today for Inside the Clubhouse. We're going to, as I alluded to, build that London Bridge to the Cubs-Cardinals broadcast, the only local broadcast of the game in the London series right here on the score. So we're going to go until 11.30 today rather than just 11 o'clock. And, Bruce, I think that this will be somewhat of an extended pregame. We're going to talk White Sox. We've got plenty of White Sox to get to Ryan McGuffey from NBC Sports Chicago and the White Sox Talk podcast is going to join us at 925. At 10 o'clock, we're going to talk to Crane Kenny, the Cubs president of business operations from London, to let us know how things have gone over there. We've got a lot of people there. Pat, Ron, and Zach. Mitch Rosen is in London. We won't hear from Mitch, but we know that everything is going well. It's a beautiful day, 82 degrees, and the Cubs are – you know, in the midst of a hot streak, and you wonder about the momentum, Bruce, following them across the pond. Let's start with what you think of them being there and just how portable this this idea of momentum will be. Can they bring it with them 
to England, do you think that these two games against the Cardinals are an opportunity for a sweep, or should you be cautious because, you know what, the momentum is stalled because it didn't make it through customs? Well, I think it's a much bigger game, David, for the St. Louis Cardinals, so these two games, uh, rather than for the Cubs. The Cubs have uh, <clears throat> the uh, <clears throat> second-best record over the last 10 games in baseball. I think they're tied with Atlanta, Cincinnati, you know, uh, cruising with, uh, you know, 12 in a row right now, which is unbelievable. So uh, <clears throat> I just think that uh, the Cubs have done their heavy lifting right now. Uh, they want to keep the momentum going here, you know, at least gaining a split there. But for the Cardinals, the Cardinals are the uh, Chicago White Sox of the uh, American <laughs> League, or the National League, rather. They... Uh, those, these are the two the most the two most underachieving teams in baseball without without question. I mean, both were picked to uh, be there at the very top. We're, we're approaching David the halfway part of uh, 2023, and uh, you know things are a little bit upside down. You know, nobody had the Cincinnati Reds uh, leading the uh, National League Central with uh, half the season gone, and nobody had the uh, St. Louis Cardinals at the bottom playing lousy baseball for the first half of the season. So I think it's a, a much bigger uh, weekend for the St. Louis Cardinals. Without a doubt, I think, and you bring up the Reds, I'm glad you did. They went into the series against the Braves on Friday night with a lot of people, and we talked about it on the Mullion Haw Show, uh, looking at this series as a litmus test about, okay, fine. You can beat bad teams, and you can go in with your 11-game winning streak. Let's see how you do when you face the Braves, the best team in the National League. And the Braves get off to a five-run lead. Then here come the Reds, and here comes Ellie De La Cruz, and hits for the cycle. And Joey Votto, goodness sakes, welcome back, Joey Votto. The Reds, Bruce, have won 12 games in a row, something that hasn't happened since 1957. David Bell's the manager. His grandpa, Gus Bell, was on that team. So there's some symmetry there. I don't know if they're going away. How do you feel before we get into the White Sox and some of their issues uh, on display at Guaranteed Rate Field last night? How do you feel about the Reds' sustainability in the Central Division and the Cubs' ability to maybe you know compete and contend and stay with them? Well, I, I just think uh, you know homogenized baseball right now is leading to an awful lot of. Uh, um, really good things in a lot of different cities. I mean, if you look at the um, American League, David, uh, I believe the only teams uh, under 500 are in the um, the White Sox division and uh, Oakland. Those are the only teams in the American League under 500. Uh, so you're, you're talking about... Um, a different brand of baseball. You're talking about Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, until they went into this horrendous funk and became the Pirates again. Where, uh, where an, another team that were there with the Reds. I'm not, I'm not uh, giving the uh, Central Division to the Cincinnati Reds at this point. They have a lot more to prove as the season goes on. But I, I believe just the, um, just the, the way that things are going now. I mean, who are the super teams in baseball? Who are you afraid of when they come into town? Tampa has played great. Certainly the American League East is all over 500. But who do you, who do you fear uh, in, 
in in baseball today. I mean, you know, who who would have even thought the Arizona Diamondbacks would have the best record in their division at this point and be the favorites going into the last half of the season? It's a great thing for baseball, David. That's all I can say is that there are so many teams that have chances to be at the end going into the playoffs from the halfway point here. I tend to agree with that, but I also think that there's a big disparity in in the balance of power when you look at the Boston Red Sox coming into Chicago with the 39-36 and record, I believe, and and they were in last place in the AL East, and they would be in first place in the AL Central. And so you give teams like the White Sox – uh, an unrealistic notion of hope, and you think that they can contend because they are a bad team in a terrible division. I don't know if that's good for baseball or not, Bruce. We'll continue to talk about that. But you know what? We got lineups. We got Cubs lineups today. I want to get to this before we get back to the Sox because the London Series lineup is in for the Cubs. Michael Talkman, center field, red hot. He's going to lead off. Nico Horner batting second, back at second base. Say Suzuki in right field batting third. Ian Happ is batting cleanup in left. Dansby Swanson shortstop batting fifth. Cody Bellinger belly up to the bar. Order another pint. He is batting sixth at first base. Christopher Morrell seventh as a designated hitter. Mm. Jan Gomes catching behind the plate. And Nick Madrigal batting ninth and playing third base. Justin Steele back on the mound against 41-year-old Adam Wainwright. And that is the Cubs lineup against the Cardinals today. You look, you look at that uh, lineup, and one thing that stands out to me, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, for uh, a period of time over the last few weeks, I wasn't able to pay as close attention as I do to uh, that I, I I have for the last 40 years every day. Um, you see the dropping down of Swanson as a key to the Cubs offense. Okay, uh, they have figured out that, you know, the bats at the top where you had Horner and Swanson, their base hits, their doubles, they were they were being wasted at the top of the order. Uh, they needed more run production, and certainly Swanson being down there, now Bellinger back in the lineup is, is a product of that. But the Cubs uh, and so many teams have had guys that were in the minor leagues at the beginning of the year now uh, essential parts and I'm not talking about rookies. I'm talking about guys like Talkman, who mm-hmm. have earned their way. And now, now the leadoff hitter for the Chicago Cubs he had some big hits. Has played well defensively. I love surprises in baseball. Okay, I don't think there's anything more exciting to me than a player just stepping up, whether it's a young player or you know like De La Cruz in Cincinnati, or Talkman, uh, a guy local product from Chicago area. Uh, coming back at 31, 32, and being an essential part of uh, an 8-2 and two run for the Chicago Cubs and, and stepping up and almost being a 500 ball club. To me, that's the exciting thing of baseball, and, and, and it's happening all over the place these days. It's just great for the game. He has been a revelation. I don't know if you could have expected that to happen, Bruce. I wonder if, while I'm talking here, you think of anybody that he reminds you of or a contribution from a, a veteran like that who's been somewhat of a journeyman that he reminds you of in Cubs past seasons or, or yeah. on Cubs past teams. It, he, he's, he, he is a good defensive outfielder, better than I thought. He's hitting three thirty three over his past 10 games, and I never in a million years, Bruce, 
thought the Cubs' best lineup this season would include Mike Talkman leading off. He's not a typical leadoff guy. Yeah, Sean Sears uh, points out Reed Johnson, who had a, a tremendous a impact one. on the Cubs. It's a good one. If you go back to the uh, late 1960s, Jim Hickman, who was a, a 220 hitter with the New York Mets, uh, became uh, an all-star with the Chicago Cubs in 1970, uh, had an impact on that game. Uh, I believe he was the guy that got the base hit that uh, where Pete Rose came around and crashed into Ray Fossey in that in that uh, historic collision. Uh, he had three outstanding years at age 31, 32, 33 uh, for the Chicago Cubs. But those are those are great stories, and I, I think that's what really gets people going. You know, like the, the surprise guy, Joey Votto, coming off of uh, disabled list, looking like he's totally washed up and now having an impact again on the Reds to go along with De La Cruz. It's, it's really, you know, the fun part of the game. Talkman, the only Cub who played in the London series before as a member of the New York Yankees in 2019. He had he had two pinch hit at bat, uh, but he's the only guy that uh, is in, on familiar territory or turf, if you will, over in London. Cubs and Cardinals, Justin Steele on the mound later today against 41-year-old Adam Wainwright. Pre-game right here on the score, 11:35. We'll be here until then talking baseball. Bruce, let's pivot to the Sox. So Friday night at Guaranteed. Do we Ray have Field, to, David? Yes, we have to, Bruce. This is the duty uh, calls. Uh, duty requires us obligation. We have to talk White Sox. They lost three okay. to one to the Red Sox. It, they uh, had a very good outing from Lucas Giolito. He did nothing to diminish his trade value, which I think is his greatest value to the White Sox at this point in time. But two unearned runs, two errors up the middle. Elvis Andrews and Tim Anderson. They were costly, and the, the White Sox lose again to the Red Sox 3-1. to one. Overall impression, Tim Anderson played second base. First time we've seen him all week since the injury. I don't know if that's a you – know, we're told not to read anything into that, but I guess it's progress that Tim Anderson's back on the field for a team that can't stay healthy. Well, he was playing second. He wanted to be in there. wasn't in the original lineup uh, because of a shoulder injury. Uh, figured he could make the throw from second, talked himself into the lineup, and uh, unfortunately made a costly error uh, that uh, led to a two unearned runs that actually won the game. So from from that perspective, um, I um, I don't know what to, you know. Two weeks ago was the last time I did this show. I was still saying uh, that I, I felt that the White Sox were the best team in that division. And they were going to win that division. But at some point, if I'm going to be a prognosticator and be correct and not sound like an idiot, the White Sox are going to have to step it up. And uh, we just haven't seen it. They put, they've gone through a tough stretch. They're playing tough teams. But the, the consistency isn't there. The pitching's been pretty good. David, the starting pitching's been good. Bullpen's been good. But you're seeing a, a team with the second-worst offense in the month of June uh, in Major League Baseball, they cannot score runs. Since June 1st, they're second to the last in RBIs, they're second to the last in runs, they're second to the last in batting average. Uh, the only thing that they're not second to last or last in is home runs. So, and, and 15 of those have been solo shots out of the 29. So, from all of that, it's just a it's a it's a difficult team to watch. You still continue to say, David, 
they have a lot of talent. The talent doesn't play well together, okay? Right. Which leads to which leads us to what the Mr. Reinsdorf, what the Mr. Williams, what does Mr. Hahn do at the deadline? Um, for all we know, they've already made their decision, and uh, they will be trading numerous players by August 1st of this year. Well, we heard from Rick Hahn earlier in the week, and he reaffirmed the idea that in he, he wanted to clarify some comments he made earlier this season about the goals and the big picture, and he, and he wanted to make clear that he still had, you know, it wasn't settling for just getting into the playoffs. He wanted to be in a position to make noise in October. I think it's the, the rhetoric is, to me, becoming largely irrelevant because of the results. This is not a team, as you point out, that is consistent enough offensively uh, to, to think in those terms. I don't think that this is a team collectively that has a, a wide enough margin for error to, to be as inconsistent as they are offensively. They have too many injuries that prop up, and, and they, they don't do the little things, Bruce. This is not a, a team that is as fundamentally sound as we were promised they were going to be in 2023 new manager old manager it's the same old story so you raise a good point 312-644-6767 if you're jerry reinsdorf if you're kenny williams if you're rick hahn how are you viewing what's ahead as we sit here on june 24th what do you think the best thing for the future big picture wise of this organization is is it kind trying to flirt with the idea of sneaking into the postseason when the best, strongest first line on your baseball resume is, we play in a bad division. That's it for the White Sox. Beyond that, Bruce, you can't really make a baseball argument that convinces me the team we're watching on the south side is playoff caliber at all. You know, they had, they had uh, a few weeks back, they had cut the, the lead to, uh, they were down to three and a half out. They had cut six games. They were at their worst at seven and 21 uh, that was their worst uh, under 500. Uh, a couple weeks later, they were nine and a half games out, and they cut six games off of that. And, and they looked like a team uh, that was going to seriously start playing up to the potential of the player caliber that they have. They just they they're not able to do it. Uh, I've always believed that if you have good pitching. Uh, you will be able to eventually turn it around uh, if the offense catches up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to doubt that. I, I still believe the White Sox have a run in them. I still believe they can be a lot better. But answering the question uh, that you propose and the one that Han brings up as to whether is it good enough to be a team that wins their division or is it a good enough team to win a World Series those are two different things that I'm looking at right now. This is not a good enough team to win the World Series right now. And it might not even be good enough to win the division in a bad division, Bruce. They are 13 games under 500 as we sit here this morning. They are one loss away from their low water mark of 2023. And we remember that in April, they dug a hole too deep to climb out of, and they remain buried. So I think that's difficult to envision all of these things that – they want us to kind of consider when you're talking about being good enough to even win a bad division. Bruce is flawed. Uh, the roster, the roster construction is full of problems. I think the biggest question that, you know, 
it, it's it's uncomfortable to pose. It's not necessarily should the White Sox begin a rebuilding project because I think the answer is becoming more obvious every game. The bigger question is who is going to lead that project? Who's going to be the chief decision maker making those calls and making those trades and looking ahead and planning for the future? Will it be the current general manager and regime or is Jerry Reinsdorf have – have it within him to really change gears in a dramatic way and have a complete organizational overhaul? It's a it's an interesting question because uh, I think you propose what is Jerry Reinsdorf's perspective on a team right now? What is his perspective of owning the White Sox and what he wants from them at age 87 right now? Uh, he's as healthy in 87 as I know. He's as smart of 87 that I know out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, is he willing to consider sitting down with Kenny Williams, with Rick Hahn and saying, you know what? Um, we should do another rebuild, okay? We started it in 2016. We got to 2020. We got it into the playoffs. We won a division in 21. We're not able to do anything at all in during the playoffs. Um, who are we? And looking back at, at uh, this team, they've been a uh, uh, pretty much an under 500 team since the second half of 2021. Okay. So with that in mind, you know, is this a roster? Is this the right construction of people? to be able to say, you know what, we're going to win. We have good pitching. We have good starting pitching. We have good bullpen. Our offense is going to catch up, and we are going to show everybody they're wrong about the Chicago White Sox. We will wait and see. And Kevin and Rusty out there on hold, wait for us. We'll get back to you eventually. We're going to talk White Sox, and we're going to dig in a little deeper when we come back. Ryan McGuffey, who knows the Sox as well as anybody who covers the team in town from NBC Sports Chicago, will join us next. It's inside the clubhouse. Bruce is back. We're here until 1130, building a London bridge to Cubs Cardinals here on The Score. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. I'm not a front office executive. Um, obviously, I see what people are saying, writers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I that's part, you know, partly why I want us to get it going. I want to win really, really bad. You know, this. You know, everyone knows. Like, you know, this is my potential last year with the White Sox. You know, I feel like I owe so much to this organization, and you know, I've done a lot for this organization as well. And I just want to see us come together and, and have a good run here. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 1130 today. That was the voice of Lucas Giolito on the White Sox Talk podcast, which brings us to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, where we find Ryan McGuffey, the coordinating producer of live events at NBC Sports Chicago and the head of White Sox content. Guff, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Let's start with Lucas Giolito. After pitching well last night, two unearned runs, really had another strong outing against the Red Sox. Where do you think his head is at as he faces the uncertain next month? I mean, and thanks for, and thanks for having me on, guys. I always, always love being with you. Um, with Giolito, I think his head, I think he spoke very eloquently right there in the interview with Chuck. I think 
That's a guy that very clearly is putting the work in every five days. He's had a great season. He's been as consistent of a pitcher as the White Sox have had all year. And, uh, you know, we hear this all the time when guys are floated amongst trade rumors that, you know, I'm just going to do my job. And I'm not going to let the outside stuff distract me, the noise. It's, it's going to be very hard for that noise not to get louder in the coming weeks. I think one thing that benefits the White Sox, and maybe Lucas Giolito, they don't have a lot of home games in July. They have a stretch right before the break, from like July 4th up until that weekend. Then their all-star break, long road trip, I think their longest of the year, and then they come back for that last week of July when we will know, quite frankly, he may, he may not even be with the White Sox by then. Who knows? But I think we'll certainly know. If we don't already know, I think we know the fate of this White Sox team. I just think the way Giolito, I think to be quite honest with you guys, He's been more impressive lately with all of this noise and still doing these interviews. I think if Giolito was distracted by this stuff, he wouldn't be doing the Chuck Garfine interview. He wouldn't be sitting down with Chris Rose and talking openly about wanting to be here. You got to let the trade rumors happen. I think this is a guy who's very focused and knows how to uh, go out and pitch. What about the the other way around, Ryan, looking at it from a player's perspective, saying, you know what, we've been a disappointing team here for a couple of years. I'm a free agent. Uh, You know what, I really want to leave. I'm never going to say it because, uh, you know, the White Sox have been good to me. The fan base has been good to me. But I uh, I need a fresh start. How about for a lot of the Sox players who are looking around at each other saying, you know what, we're underachievers, but I need to get out of here. You know, Bruce, it's, that's kind of the elephant in the room now a lot of people talk about. And that's why I think Giolito is, is almost talking like an agent. You know, some of that stuff that he's saying, that I owe, this, I owe the, my entire career to the organization, I want to be here. That's a guy going out and negotiating for himself while he's pitching. And I think that's what makes him so admirable, is that the fan base clings to that kind of stuff. You want to hear one of your one of the guys that the White Sox went out and did this whole rebuild around, Lucas Giolito, that fan base wants to hear that he wants to be here. He wants to stay long-term. So if he does get traded or if he does stay here the rest of the season and then at the end of the year signs elsewhere as a free agent, then at that point you have to look elsewhere. You can't look at the player. And I think, Bruce, to your point, you know, you saw that little news and notes column uh, Bob Nightingale had earlier this week, buried, I mean, way buried deep, deep down in that article. And we know how, you know, who Bob's plugged in with, but he said several White Sox veterans have talked at least amongst themselves about looking for that fresh start, wanting to get out with the chance to win elsewhere. So look, it's ugly. It's not a great situation. You guys have been there. I mean, Bruce, you know, as well as anyone, when a team just doesn't have it, whether it's in the clubhouse on the field, or some combination of both, this team just seems lifeless. It's just not working. And to me, and I've said this, and I have a great respect for a lot, of, a lot of the players and the organization, it just seems to me like it's more like 26 individuals than a team pulling from the same rope. Joined by Ryan McGuffey from NBC Sports Chicago here on Inside the Clubhouse. So, Guff, last night, Tim Anderson returns to the lineup after the original lineup did not include him. He plays second base. So it raises two questions for me. Number one, 
if he is bad, injured badly enough to stay out of the lineup pretty much all week long, and last night he was maybe still compromised physically, but he did try to play second base, why do they keep him off the injured list if, if that's the case? And I guess the follow-up to that would be second base. Hmm, is this a one-time deal, or is this something that could happen uh, moving forward or even increase his trade value? It's a great question. I mean, I was there last night, uh, you know, pre pregame with Pedro. A lot of the bulk, the bulk of his questions pregame were about TA and whether he's healthy enough to play, uh, to get it past to play in the field, et cetera, et cetera. And then <clears throat> 30 minutes later, we're told, hey, Pedro's going to meet you outside to discuss a, a lineup change. And so, of course, we all start talking amongst ourselves, like, what could this be? Is someone injured? And I was like, this has to be Tim. I mean, it's his birthday. He's been out early taking work. <clears throat> but then the second baseman came up, and Grafal was very adamant that this is a don't read too much into this. But I think we're to the point now where we have to read into everything with this team. And ironically, you know, what happens last night? A ball goes off the glove of TA when Giolito attempts a pickoff. Elvis Andrews boots kind of a routine grounder at shortstop and it's like you know this this the snowball is not even rolling it's just like a cliff and i i don't know about the il situation part of me wonders you know the timing of that podcast that came out if this was kind of a, a dual threat like definitely injured could use a little mental breather and maybe they get your work in on the side as we try to fight through this but then there's the part of me also that is, this is a gamer. He wants to go out and play. He said he wants to go out there and try to help his team win tonight. He is a, the best option for you, regardless of position, whether or not the results have been there in 2023. So I, I'm kind of looking at both ways where you got the guy, you, you want those guys, you know, in Chicago, we, we really love to cling to those guys who are quote unquote gamers. But then when they show up and they fail, it's like, well, what's going on here? So it's a two way street, but TA is just not. I don't, he's never struggled like this. I mean, you go back to his rookie year and this is just, it's just not worked out. Ryan, uh, staying on the uh, same, uh, in the same vein, um, who, who, who is the leader of the Chicago White Sox? When they take the field, who do you feel is the, uh, I mean, you, you always thought it was Tim going back a few yeah. years ago. You always thought Abreu had a lot of presence uh, going on for nine years. Certainly, the respect of everybody, but uh, is, is this uh, outside of Grafal and the coaching staff? Is this a leaderless team? I think it is, and I think it's. But it, I think it's been what's plagued this team for basically the start of the Tony La Russa era. Is because if you're bringing in Tony, if you go back, that means you really want to def- make sure that you have a lock, like it's close to a clubhouse. Um, brotherhood as possible. <clears throat> they didn't necessarily have that when they brought Tony in. And then Tony wasn't capable of coming in and rallying the troops. They never really have addressed the leadership issue. And to answer your question, Bruce, I, I think by default it's Elvis Andrews, but when you're out there and, and hitting 205, 210, I think those guys will tell you, you've been in this game forever, those guys will tell you that it's tough to be that quote-unquote voice every day if you're going through your own stuff on the field so yes the answer to your question is yes i think this team has been leaderless for quite some time they have not uh they just have they failed to identify 
the leadership void in that clubhouse. It, sometimes it's not the guy with the biggest contract or the flashiest numbers. And, you know, I go back to 2005, you guys, and you guys were both in that clubhouse all the time. Think about how many times that clubhouse had the rah-rah guy going through it. It was different guys. It wasn't always A.J. Fire. It was Juan Uribe coming through. You know, when Jeff Blum came over, he was like, there was just a lot of those guys because Canerico was a fit at his locker, lead by example type guy. But you, those guys are great for 26 guys. You need the spark plugs. You need the guy that comes through the pot. And when stuff's not going right, they're going to, hey, you know what? Enough's enough. The bleeding stops here. Here's how we're going to band together. And they just haven't had it. It's just been like a bleeding out, and there's just been no one to stop it. That's a great point, Ryan. I also think when you look back to that team in that era, they also had, let's face it, a manager with an uncanny instinct to know yeah. when to say what to say and had a good read of people and just a great feel for the game. So it brings us to this, and I think it's a difficult question and maybe not even a fair one. But here the Sox are on the brink of whatever – on the brink really of reaching their low water mark again. Do we know if Pedro Gafol – uh, is a good or bad manager? Is it fair to hold their record and associate that with him? Because there's going to be a lot of conversation, and there already has been, about whether or not you know he's the right guy and whether his future holds and all of these things in the midst of this turnover. What kind of manager do the Sox have in Pedro Grafal? Do you know yet? Man, that's a great question. I don't think we – first of all, I don't think it's fair to point the blame on Pedro Grafal that the team's 13 games under. I think there are some things that you could that, that have happened over the past 70, what, eight, 77 games. We raise your eyebrows a few times at moves that have been made um, by a manager. But I, to me, this goes all the way back to talent. You know, players play, coaches coach. And I do think managers do mean something. I think that they matter when, as we just talked about, things are spiraling out of control or when things, when things are going really well and you're winning eight, nine, ten in a row and the manager's just hands off what the players play, I don't think Pedro – this thing spiraled so quickly that it was really tough for Grafal to kind of get his finger on the problem. And you look – you go. I just got to go back to April, right, because that's the whole thing. I mean, they're 7-21. and 21. They're a game over 500 since. They've had the same injuries with the same players, the same disappointment with the same players. They don't have depth. Their farm system is one of the worst in baseball. You look at their AAA outfield to start the season. It was full of 30-plus-year-old journeymen outfielders from major, former major league teams, Billy Hamilton and Clint Frazier and uh, Victor Reyes. Not some like, you know, not it wasn't full of Oscar Colas-type guys that are just, okay, it's not working, let's go down and get this guy, Jake Marisnik. So that's why I, I'm going to remove Pedro Grafal. From, the, from this issue, he's part of the what's in the blender now because he is the manager. And there was so much, including myself, that were hard on Tony La Russa. I was hard on the hire. I think the hire was awful and set the whole thing back. And unfortunately for whoever was going to be in that chair this year, I don't care. Pick the best manager in the game. I honestly really believe that at best, they're nine games under, eight games under 500, maybe. And that's maybe because at the end of the day, the, the talent just – I'm sick of hearing about the talent. They just – they have a lot of talent that hasn't progressed at the major league level. It's just not happened. Luis Roberts finally showing that guy – finally showing us he is that guy because he's been able to play. But for the, for the most part, 
you know, who is Aloy Jimenez? I thought he was going to be the fall into 35 home run guy. I thought that was just a lock. You know, Andrew Vaughn is on pace for a sneaky pace for 100 RBIs. I thought there'd be some more pop and some more average in there. There's just been, it's just not been developed. And that to me is not a manager issue. That's an organization issue. That this cupboard is, when you go into the cabinet and you look at your pantry, the White Sox have a lot of canned goods back there that they forgot about. And that's it. Ryan, uh, we're up against the clock. I'll give you a minute on a question that should take probably about 45 minutes to answer, and that is, <laughs> what is the hist- what is the future of the Chicago White Sox and NBC Sports Chicago moving forward, knowing that uh, streaming and uh, regional sports networks are going to be history pretty soon in Major League Baseball? <laughs> I like the under-time constraint. Here's the loaded question. That was great. Uh, here, here's what I could say. I, I do know like our deal ends at the end of uh, baseball season in 2024. Uh, that's very public knowledge. And I know during these processes, I think we've had three uh, extensions or, or new contracts since the inception of Comcast Sportsnet in 2004. And uh, I think all the parties have been uh, discussing uh, the possibility of moving the relationship forward uh, at the conclusion of the deal in 2024. And you're right. I mean, there are teams doing things different. I think streaming matters. And it's it's about continuing to move the chains and, and evolve and not get caught up in the, in, in, in what's going on with, you know, valleys and some of these bankrupt issues. I think the one thing about NBC is they have paid their bills on time. And I think going forward, it's been a really great relationship between the organizations and NBC. And we hope to uh, extend that going forward. Ryan, great stuff. Congratulations on your promotion this week. And we really appreciate you joining Thanks, us guys. on a Saturday morning. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Ryan McGuffey, the coordinating producer for live events and the head of White Sox content at NBC Sports Chicago. A lot of interesting stuff there, Bruce. Let's follow up on that when we come back. Also, look at both teams a little bit, uh, you know, we're, we're closing in on July, and you know what happens at the end of July? Buyers or sellers, we're already asking the question. It seems pretty obvious what the answers are in Chicago. We'll talk about it next. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Just be cool. Just be cool. Everyone be cool. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. If we're able to turn this around and get ourselves in a position to win this division, given that we are currently 11 under, we are obviously going to be playing pretty damn good baseball for the final two, three months of the season, which would give us reason to believe postseason performance could be better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's too soon to say uh, in terms of you know what we're going to be doing you know later in July. I'm not even sure exactly what we're going to be doing later in May. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. That was the voice of Carter Hawkins, the last one you heard there, talking about the Cubs as they near the trade deadline. And Rick Hahn earlier this week about the plight of the White Sox. Okay, Bruce, really comes down to this. Lance Lynn's going back on the mound today, 3-10 at guaranteed rate field against the Red Sox, against James Paxton. The last time Lance Lynn was on the mound, he struck out 16. Is he pitching more today to help the White Sox win or improve his trade stock for the contending teams that might look at him as a piece they don't have? That, that's a, an easy question to answer. The answer is both. Um, <laughs> that's they not are an answer, Bruce. That's doing, a dodge. Doing their very best. Yeah. 
That, that's that's no, it's it's obvious to me asking a very good question that the answer is both. You know, uh, they are <clears throat> doing their best they can to win. Lynn might be one of those guys in that mix that's going, hey, I'm going to help try to win, pitch better, and go to a contending team here in the next uh, next month because right now we're not. Uh, <clears throat> can they be? Will they be? If they were in any other division in baseball, I would say uh, absolutely not. But this is the by far the worst division in baseball. I mean, the Central Division in the National League looks like the American League East compared to uh, the Central in uh, in the American League. It's just horrendous. You got four of the five worst records in uh, in the American League in in one division. So, from my perspective, he's he's going to be pitching for for both moving forward. Just I don't like the way that this has become earlier and earlier every year just part of the exercise that we accept i mean i understand yeah. it because i'm part of it and every morning between 5 30 and 10 i i'm i promote it because the speculation is baseball conversation and it's fun it can be damaging but i don't think it's overall something that you, you necessarily enjoy because it's always it forces you to look at things through a different lens so when lance lynn strikes out 16 yeah. It isn't like, what does that mean for the Sox necessarily as much as is, what could they get for him in return? Same with Lucas Giolito last night. Same with Tim Anderson playing second base. Same with the Cubs going back, you know, weeks before this win streak began. <laughs> it was always like, can, can Bellinger get back healthy so he could get them something in return? What about Marcus Stroman? Heck, Marcus Stroman's narrative is being controlled in part because he is as yeah. big of a trade piece as out there Bruce it's just reality I don't know if it's fun but it well, is inevitable David what else happens in July in sports in Chicago what happens training camp training yeah camp. and then what happens to the what happens to irrelevant baseball at that point <laughs> right you get it kind of gets ignored after that well, yeah what, and then what Mitch mean? starts saying you know your 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 baseball show and then uh, you know you fill in the Fill in the blanks, okay? <laughs> well, we, but the point's well taken. I, I know, and it's not just that, Bruce. I think it's just bemoaning the reality that teams earlier and earlier are having to consider the futures of their season and the futures of their franchises because they have to make moves. The prospect you know, capital is something that you want to accrue and something, something, frankly, the White Sox lack in a big way, so you wonder how much that will also affect their decision. I think it has to affect their decision greatly. Yeah, and 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 it and it does. I, I, again, uh, I I feel for White Sox fans so much, and you know I'm a I'm a believer that I've had a 40-year career because of the great fans in Chicago, not because of any great talent that I've had, but because the 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 fan bases are so fantastic here in Chicago that it's kept me and a lot of other people in our business relevant. Um, but I cannot think of a bigger disappointment in Chicago baseball than uh, in decades uh, than the 2022-2023 Chicago White Sox because there's no rhyme or reason. We still, David, we still can't figure out why a team with this much talent doesn't play better together. We still, every day, every week, 
you know, on your show on the score all week long, we're figuring out, gee, really talented center fielder Anderson, one of the best shortstops in baseball, you know, uh, pitching staff full of guys that uh, have um, had great careers, bullpens with, uh, you know, guys that are fantastic. I mean, what what is able what are we able to figure out about the White Sox other than they're some of the greatest underachievers in Chicago baseball history right now? Strong stuff, Bruce. We will get back to the White Sox. But when we come back, the London series presented by Traffic Tech, we are all over it. And we are building a London bridge, two Cubs and Cardinals at 1130, the only local broadcast of this game across the pond. And we will talk to the Cubs president of business operations. Crane Kenny joins inside the clubhouse when we return on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 